Welcome everybody to Wide in the Middle, your home for all things racing and voted the number one racing podcast for people ages 36 to 40 who were born in the month of April. Keith, what's up, my man? How was your uh, how was your weekend? Um, it was pretty good other than having to finish off my lengthy stint of overtime at <laughs> work and finally put that in the rearview mirror back to being normal and cannot complain that's good man that's good yeah it was uh it's it the the last couple of weeks have been have been crazy and uh yeah you know to uh first off let's only ap- apologize for no pod last week um it, keith was raring to go i had something come up literally like the last minute so it, it's actually one of the crazier stories believe it or not so we as you know, I've we've got a my brother and I have an auto glass business, right? I have two businesses. I've talked about it numerous times. I've got the online sim racing content creation, social media, whatever you want to call it, business, and then I have an auto glass business with my brother. And we have an account. Um, we have a bunch of accounts, but one of our main accounts is one of the counties out here where I live. Um, I don't want to say the name because I honestly, I don't know if I can. I don't know what the rules are on that, but we did a windshield for one of the sheriff's vehicles, okay, in this county. Well, this was going into Memorial Weekend. We replaced the windshield on a Tuesday. On Wednesday night, I get a message from the you know, the supervisor of that, the one who manages all the vehicles and he needs a new windshield for that one that we just replaced. And I'm like, what the hell happened? Like, I'm thinking there was something wrong with the glass. Maybe there's a stress fracture or something like that, because that can happen, especially when you're dealing with aftermarket stuff, you can get what's called a stress fracture where a rock doesn't have to hit it. It could be installed correctly. It's just one of those things where at speed, the windshield can crack, right? It has something to do with the manufacturing process. And so I'm like, oh my God, man, what happened? So I'm kind of freaking out, right? Because I'm thinking something happened and now we're going to have to eat a windshield and, right? And so he's like, but we got to get it done. Because normally with this account, you know, we can be like, okay, I'll get the windshield. I'll let you know in a few days when we can do it. This one, it was like, hey man, I need this done tomorrow. If you can get this done tomorrow, we need it done tomorrow because this vehicle was actually going to be used all holiday weekend on patrol. They had to have it. And so it was like, oh my God, man. Okay, so order the windshield. I get it put on the truck, get it here, you know, 12 hours later. Luckily they had one and they got it to me quickly. So we had to go do that Thursday morning super early. That's why we couldn't do the pod. Well, the craziest thing was, (laughs) Keith, listen to this. This guy... So the officer, he goes down to like, you know, down by the river out where we live. Okay. A freaking deer, a buck sees this car. It's not even a car. It's an SUV. It's a, it's a, it was a Ford Explorer police interceptor. Sees this Explorer, runs at it, jumps on the hood and starts attacking this car. And breaks the freaking <laughs> windshield, man. 
Oh, that's funny. Oh, my God. I don't know where this deer came from. I have no idea what was wrong with this buck, but it was pissed. And it jumped on the hood and started attacking the windshield, man. Because they had to file a report. So I got to see the report. I was like, you got to be kidding me. A buck just jumped on the hood and started trashing this thing. They're like, yeah. I'm like, well, tell them not to go there no more. So, yeah, that was why we had to cancel the plot last week, man. It was literally one of the most ridiculous things. I was like, you got to be kidding me. I cannot believe that that happened. So That is comical. It was hilarious, dude. I mean, it was stressful there for a minute, but it was hilarious. I was just like, oh, my God, no way. So, so yeah, we had to go do that. We did last week, my brother and I. Keep in mind, because we do a lot of, we do a lot of work for auto body shops, right? Where we're pulling out glass and then putting it back in, right? So when, like quarter glasses or back glasses, windshields, we'll get new windshields for people. But a lot of times we don't do a lot of windshields, right? We're not like Safe Light, where that's all Safe Light does. We do a lot of the other stuff at the at the shops that most class businesses don't do. Because when a shop is going to paint your car, like let's say you get into a fender bender and you mess up your quarter panel. When they're going to paint that quarter panel, they have to pull that glass out because that's the only way that you can blend it and it look good. Otherwise, with quarter glasses, the way they are with the moldings on stuff like that, they tape that off. You end up with this hard line. It looks like shit, right? You could do as good a job with a rattle can. Like it, it looks horrible. So we have to pull that glass and then put it back in. Well, last week we did like, a dozen windshields which is like you know three times as many as we ever do and we did you know 10 of them over a two-day period so it was a it was a crazy week and i could not wait to get to the weekend the holiday weekend i this you know I've, i talked about it before i had had like one day off um you know through most of the year I had one weekend off, you know, my first like weekend off was like a month ago, month and a half ago, and it wasn't really a weekend off, you know, it was just, I had a Saturday and a Sunday where I didn't have to do class, I was still working on my other business, but this was the first weekend where I was like, I'm not working, I don't have anything scheduled, I've got no, I'm not working, I'm not doing shit. You know, I mean, I took my son to this new new arcade that they this video game arcade with his friends and we, you know, played games and did that, got to watch some racing. But I'm, I'm like, I'm not working and shut the work phone off and it was glorious. But unfortunately, my body is so used to getting up early and like I apparently not sleeping. I don't know. Maybe my body's gotten used to just running on fumes. I couldn't i couldn't sleep in i wouldn't even set my alarm i'd still wake up early i'm like you gotta be kidding me man what the i was just so yeah ended up having to take a nap each day but yeah it was a it was a nice weekend it was a nice weekend <laughs> I, I, know, I know the feeling when you want to take a nap and fall asleep or sleep in you can't but when yep. you when have you something can't. planned mm -hmm. that's when you sleep in and it's like yep. Well, frick. yep exactly exactly so yeah but we got a bunch of stuff to get to obviously uh we had some uh big racing last weekend um biggest biggest racing weekend of the year in my opinion it's also probably the best racing weekend of the year when you look at indy coke 600 um monaco in the f1 series which has has been a parade um 
not going to cover too much on that just because it, the Monaco race has become, like I said, it's a parade. Whoever gets the pole in qualifying is going to win the race unless they have a serious mishap. There has not, I repeat, there has not been a green flag pass for the lead on track since like 1994 in Monaco. Think about that. Is that not insane, Keith? Think about that. All the, all the stuff that we've talked about with the short tracks and NASCAR and how they need to fix stuff, we still have passes for the lead. Could you imagine us going into, let's just say this weekend, instead of Gateway, it was Martinsville. Could you imagine us going, man, God, I hope there's a green flag pass for the lead on track because we haven't had one since 1994. Could you even fathom that? Uh, no. Exactly. And seeing and hearing that <laughs> almost made me wonder what 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 do Formula One fans find in this race at Monaco so awesome? It's the reason why Monaco is so big is because first of all, it is the oldest circuit or the oldest track on the circuit, from my understanding. I don't, I, you know, I didn't watch it back when F one first started back, you know, hundred years ago or whatever, but um. From my understanding, it's the it's still it's like the oldest. It's also its original layout, from my understanding as well. Like it's been this way from the beginning, and you know it used to be. And it's don't get me wrong; it's still a very difficult track. It's an extremely difficult track, extremely technical. These guys are on edge nonstop, and. You can see them. I mean, they're coming all the way out to the guardrails. It's a very narrow track. These cars are flying, but that's the problem. You can basically run in the middle of the track all the way around, and it doesn't matter if the guy behind you is faster. They're not going to get around you. So because the cars have gotten bigger you know, and wider over the years, the racing, the actual on-track racing has become horrible. And Monaco is such a big deal because... It's obviously, you're talking about Monte Carlo, a lot of money. It's where a lot of the big time, you know, movie stars, billionaires, you've got the whole, got the whole harbor there where everyone parks their yachts and watches the race. And, you know, there's obviously big events happening all week long. The drivers all live in Monaco for the most part. Most of them live in Monaco. And so it's, it's more the atmosphere and, you know, the the just the glitz and the glam of the the race itself than the actual racing product the race is a parade once once qualifying is it's why qualifying is so important monaco qualifying is amazing it's incredible because it it literally is everything you know that if you get the pole at monaco your chances of winning are 95 percent like it's insane it's absolutely insane so it, the qualifying is amazing. The race, not so much. So yeah, it it's a it was a, another year without a on track green flag pass for the lead. So yeah, we can we can move on. But before we get into our hit or miss and our dirt track recap, because we got a bunch of stuff to cover in both of those, I want to talk in the open today about a man Ryan Blaney finally getting a win and. 
the overreaction that people have had over the last couple seasons with Blaney. Now, you would think that Ryan Blaney has had one of the, the worst winless streaks in NASCAR history. It was all people talked about, right? It was insane. That's all they talked about. Blaney had gone his 59 races without a win, right? And let's remember something. Blaney's been fast. It's not like Blaney's been struggling and then he just got this win, like they put it together and they got this win. He should have, no joke, I would say three or four wins. I shouldn't say he should have, but there were three or four legitimate opportunities where Blaney was the car to beat, okay? It, over this over this streak. It probably not more. I mean, you factor in every single restrictor plate race because I think Blaney is one of the best at those races. You put him at Daytona, Talladega, even Atlanta now. I think he's one of the drivers to beat. No matter what, he's like, you know, and I'm not calling him Dale Earnhardt for all you purists who are going to flip out, but he is like Earnhardt in the sense that it doesn't matter what he's doing anywhere else. When you go to a restrictor plate race, you know that he's one of the guys to beat. He's always been good there at those tracks. He always runs up front. He's just, he just, he's got something. It's like Bubba Wallace now too, right? Like, you know that that 23 car is going to be up front at restrictor plate races. Blaney's the same way. Um, Last year, going into the playoffs, I picked him to make the final four. Dude hadn't won a race. I kept thinking, I kept saying, he's going to get a win. He's going to make the final four. And he came very close. The The guy's been fast. He's been running up front. He's got a, he's on a good team, right? Penske racing. I mean, Roger Penske. They just swept the Indy 500 and Coke 600 for the first time ever, right? It Incredible weekend. Incredible weekend. You don't get a ride at Penske, right, if you're a bum, okay? <laughs> Roger Penske, I'm pretty sure he knows what he's doing, you know what I mean? So Blaney has shown really good speed. He's been up front, and he got the win at the Coke 600. And yes, we can make the argument that there were other cars out there that, you know, were probably better or could have had an opportunity. Doesn't matter. He did what he needed to do, and they won the race. And just like it's been at other situations where Blaney had a better car and someone else got the win, it was his turn now. And I think we are going to see him really show back up and be running up front consistently. He's second place in points. Like I said, it's not like the dude's been struggling and he just happened to pop off a win. They've been fast. They've been consistent. And to me, he's one of the better drivers out there. Um, you know, I think personally on a talent level, you know, it's Kyle Larson, you know, when you look at car control and stuff like that, even though he spun out by himself this last week, which was crazy to see. It's almost it's almost like Michael Jordan missing a dunk. Like it was a, it was a really weird thing to see. But um I put Blaney in that top tier of drivers. I I he's up there in my opinion with Byron, Elliot, Larson you know, Bell, Hamlin, Bush, I, I really think he has that capability to be that level of driver. And I think now that they've gotten this win, we're going to see him, you know, it. it's amazing what overcoming a winless streak can do to your confidence, right? It really is. You know, Keith, you've heard it before as a driver, the first one's the hardest. Now, this wasn't his first one, but it was the first in a very long period of time. 
Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, the first win of a season or career is the hardest one to get. And then yes. once when you get it, it, it's almost like it's second nature to get your second, your mm-hmm. third. Then you go through a little drought of not winning. And then you start doubting everything around you, everything you're doing, your abilities. And, and Ryan didn't, he stayed focused. Yep. Um, he, he, he's been one of the fastest cars, which is crazy to say, cause Ford in general has, so much struggled for the most part and yes they have he just flat out dominated yep he looked good he looked good and he was fast and yeah like you said the fords have not been the best at these mile and a halfs they found something they had good speed and yeah he went out and got the win and you know 59 races gets the win and the whole reason i wanted to talk about this was because as we were or as each week happened with Blaney, we talked about it like there had never been a winless streak of this size or magnitude before. And it's absolutely absurd. It's it's insane. We've had winless streaks much, much longer by drivers who are considered much, much better. Dale Earnhardt Jr., you guys ever heard of him? Probably, yeah, I think so. He went 143 races in between wins. Terry Labonte had a 156-race winless streak. Jeff Burton, 175. Martin Truex Jr., remember that guy? Just won a couple weeks ago at Dover. 218 races. He's a champion. The dude is a Hall. When he retires, he will make the Hall of Fame, right? 218 races. And Bill Elliott. Bill Elliott. Awesome Bill from Dawsonville went 226 races races in between wins so blaney went 59 it was nice to see him get the win but for all of you out there who were talking like this is some shocking thing that blaney finally got into victory lane shut up it's not that absurd he went 59 60 60 races we'll round up 60 races okay in between wins the dude's fast. He's shown to be fast. It's not like he's some scrub who just popped off some random win. The guy can drive, and he has proven that for the last couple of seasons, even though he hasn't been winning. All right. So, congrats to Blaney um, and to obviously Pinsky Racing for sweeping the weekend, which is incredible. Um, like, you know, we said, never been done before. And uh, maybe maybe next year, maybe next year, we'll see Hendrick or Kyle Larson sweep the weekend. Uh, he'll have the opportunity to do it as he's going to be racing Indy and the Coke 600. I cannot, I literally cannot wait for that. I wish I had a time machine so I could just fast forward to that right now. Uh, I agree. Yeah, it's going to be <laughs> incredible. I cannot wait to see it. So, but... We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we've got hit or miss. A bunch of stuff obviously happened. we got penalties. We've got intentional wrecking. Big, big news on the driver front with who's going to be in the nine car, all of that and more right after this break. Today's episode is brought to you by Produxa. Look, you guys, when it comes to protecting and adding a mirror-like shine to your surfaces, you pretty much have two options. You can go with one of those low, you know, quality products out there, Uh, you know, do the old school like my parents used to do, use the old dish soap to wash your car, or you can go with Produxa. 
You guys, I've personally used this stuff and it works incredible, man. Whether it's their ceramic coating, their wash, their tire shine, and it not only looks great, but it's super easy to use. I mean, my 10-year-old son was helping me use this stuff and we used it on my daughter's car and the car literally looked new. And my daughter's 17, so you can imagine that the car did not look new before we washed it. So if you want to actually give your car a mirror-like shine while in the process protecting it, head over to Produxa.com or the link down in the description below and check out their full line of products today. I can promise you, you will love them. All right, Keith, it is time for our hit or miss portion of the show. And uh, yeah, we got a bunch of stuff to cover. Um, and uh, yeah, we're going to get into it. You ready? Let's do it. I know you got one that you cannot wait to talk about, but we're going to you're gonna have to hold off on that for just a moment. Because uh, first up, we got to talk about the other Chase, Chase Briscoe. So the L3 penalty of 120 points, 25 playoff points, quarter of a million dollars, and six race suspension to the crew chief to SHR and Chase Briscoe was far too severe. Hit or miss the mark? Uh, I think it hits the mark. Um, NASCAR set a president of don't alter anything on these cars. Um, don't, don't do anything to the parts, the cars, the bodies, the underbody, anything to do with the car. And, and I think they got the car right. I mean, I mean, let's face it. They didn't just alter the part. They, they went far and above and beyond of altering a part. They, they, they basically, as if you would counterfeit money, they counterfeited a part. Yes. So I mean, they got the call right. Yep. Yeah. It's um, it's not too severe, like you said. They set the precedent. You have to. You. You have to abide by these penalties and stick with them. Um, if you're if you're going to be doing if you're going to be pushing this right, if you want these guys to hold to this, and. <laughs> SHR SHR uh was running a counterfeit part um huge that's that's a, obviously a big deal um when you talk about you know a quarter of a million dollar fine that that I mean that's type of stuff we've talked about this before the whole the money thing is it doesn't matter for most of these teams Stuart Haas Racing has got enough money that they'll be fine right it, you know when you look at the um the points right that's huge uh to lose 120 driver points 120 owners points and then 25 playoff points if briscoe gets into the playoffs um you know six race suspension for the crew chief you know i don't even find that to be uh that big a deal. I mean, just because they're not on the box does not mean the crew chief's not. I mean, they're going to be it, working from home. Yeah. So to me, it, what matters is the points. The the points are huge, and you know, Briscoe was already having a down year, and um, yeah, for them to uh, to get caught like this and get caught and they would they finish like thirtieth? It's not like he was competing for the win. So, 
you know, we've we've talked about it at nauseum. Don't mess with these single source parts. Um, they didn't just modify one; they they counterfeit one, and NASCAR dropped the hammer on them. And yeah, I think to me, like if you're gonna if you're gonna follow this trajectory in terms of you know trying to enforce this rule then you have to do this and so yeah i'm with you i think nascar the penalty was correct and you know it's gonna send a very big message to everybody out there don't don't freaking do this so yeah tough break for for briscoe gonna make his already rough season even rougher but yeah can't be doing that stuff all right moving on after after hooking the 11 car in the Coca-Cola 600, Chase Elliott received a one-race suspension for his actions on track, and he deserves a one-race suspension for his actions on track. Hit or miss the mark? Uh, I think it definitely hits the mark a billion times. Yeah, um, that's a shock. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you go back... And, and this is going back a ways into in the Twitter world. There's a couple tweets by Chase Elliott himself saying these cars aren't safe. People are going to get hurt in these cars, yada, yada, yada. And then turns around and ride hooks a guy into the fence. And and not just into the fence. He did it in the dog leg. And then he hit head on. And if anybody's watched the in-car footage of the hit, it's violent. It's very violent. Um, it is. With these new cars, Denny could have been seriously hurt. Like, I get that racing's dangerous, but we don't need to jump the intensity level on the dangerous factor to 100. Um, I just, I think it was a, a, a chicken shit move, a piss poor decision, a mm -hmm. temper tantrum, however you want to call it. And this ain't the first time we've seen Chase do similar things to this nature. Um I just, I wish it was more than one race. So that way the point could be proven. Um, I know NASCAR granted the playoff waiver. I don't think they should have. I, th I think this should have been a, yeah, this, this ain't the first time it's happened. So yeah, I, it, it doesn't, it's not, or it's not the first time it's happened. I'm with you. I think, um, you know, Chase, you you can't do that. We've talked about this, right? You can't do that. Um, Bubba Wallace, you know, when he did it to Kyle Larson, you know, we said the same thing, man. You can't do this. Um, you can't hook these guys. You can't do that. You know, especially even though these cars are better, right? You don't have guys getting concussions and the wind knocked out of them from bump drafting, but they're still not great, okay? You know, I saw a thing um, where Danny Hamlin was talking about how bad his neck hurt after that accident. Like he was having a hard time holding his head up, right? That's, I mean, you, you can get that from any accident, but that was something that should have, that could have been avoided. Um, I, I like Chase Elliott. You know, I, I know people out there, Keith, that don't like him, right? Um, I think, <laughs> I think, uh, unfortunately, I think Chase is, a, a miss a very misunderstood person i'm not gonna say driver and the guy can drive whether you like him or not the dude can drive okay let's just and I, yeah, let's and be I, honest but i just there's people i think people uh and i get it 
I get it because he is the most popular driver. He has a huge following. He can absolutely be the face of the sport and should be, right? He's earned it. He's a champion. He's done all that stuff. But you can't do stuff like this because this looks like the golden boy throwing a temper tantrum over something that's happened. Right? And, you and just can't not, do it. It's not that I'm not a Chase Elliott fan. I like I like Chase Elliott. It's his fans that drive me freaking nuts. Well, yes. And look, that's that, that is why I don't like Chase Elliott. Yes, it's, it's, it's yeah, it's I there's a lot of fans of people it's of all things one I don't like either. To them. Yes. Yeah, like, exactly. I've seen a bunch a bunch of crazy nonsense thrown out in the social media world that he shouldn't shouldn't be this, shouldn't be that, but as soon as somebody else does it, it's get him out of the sport. It's like, okay. Yes. And look, for want? the most part fans are like that fan is short for fanatic okay it's it's not you know it, it, they're just not normal right i to me you know i it's funny we were doing a job a, uh when we were replacing that windshield one of the guys there he's a raiders fan and i said i'm like wow you don't look like a raiders fan <laughs> he's like well, what does that mean i go well when you think raiders fan you think of those guys in the black hole with their faces painted and the spiked shoulder pads yelling at the 10 year old boy who's got the jersey of the opposing team on right like that's what you think of right wrong or indifferent it doesn't matter they're not all like that that's a small percentage of them but that's what you think of you're Absolutely right, Keith. When it comes to Chase Elliott fans, that's what you think of. You think of people that it's the, you know, do as I say, not as I do. When our guy does it, it's okay. But if you do it, you need to be punished, right? Like, that's how they are. For whatever reason, oh, that's just it, how they are. It's freaking maddening. <laughs> and it, it me insane. yes, and it, it's, it's bullshit, right? Because I seen posts and tweets, tweets this week who were saying, well, Chase shouldn't be suspended. Uh, Bubba didn't get suspended for wrecking Kyle. He got suspended for his actions on the front stretch out of the car. And it's like, no, he didn't. And did you not watch any of the reactions by the, you know, the the big dogs in NASCAR? They all said this is because of the on-track stuff, the, the wrecking, hooking the car. It has nothing to do with Bubba Wallace pushing Kyle Larson on the front stretch nothing to do with it it's the same thing here you can't hook another driver like that you just can't do it and if you do it you need to get suspended for it and he did and i'm he should have gotten suspended now we can debate all day long if it should be more than one race i i honestly don't know right because i think if we can go back through other drivers we can look at it and be like okay these guys should have been suspended more or less or I whatever can, i could name a couple yes <laughs> just one hand <laughs> yes you know what i mean so i think that's always going to be there but yes for this incident 100 percent, he got suspended and he should be suspended so yeah it and you know it's crazy to think that years ago we wouldn't be talking about a guy being suspended over right hooking a guy in the fence. I mean, we used to see this all the time, all the time. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, so yeah, but uh, he he deserves the penalty in my opinion, and uh, yeah, I agree. I completely. I, agree. I think I, I think you can't more. do that. Yeah. All right. So moving on. Well, because of Chase Elliott's penalty. It is going to give Corey LaJoy the opportunity to drive the nine car for Elliott at Gateway. So, Keith, Corey LaJoy will show his talent as a top-level driver 
in the nine car this weekend at Gateway. Hit or miss the mark? I think it. I think it hits both marks the the hit and the miss. Um, I think he's going to struggle maybe for for a good maybe the first stage just to feel it out, and then I think once when he gets his feet wet and he's comfortable with the team, I think we'll really see what Corey LaJoy can do. Um, I think it's awesome. I think it's an opportunity of a lifetime for Corey to run with not just a top team, probably the biggest top Mm -hmm. team in NASCAR. And I hope it opens many doors for Corey because, I mean, let's face it, he's made the seven look better than what the seven really is. Oh, absolutely. And it, it shouldn't come as a surprise with all the rumors coming around going around about Josh Berry and, and everything else. But I'm excited. I'm excited to see what Corey can do. I think I've been a pretty big advocate of Corey LaJoy this season. Um, I'm, I'm pumped to see it. I can't wait. I am too. I think... I think the one thing that he does have going for him is that Spire Motorsports is a Chevy team. They do have ties to Hendrick. Obviously, they're they're not as far up the, the Chevy totem pole as a Hendrick, right? But I do think that does lend itself for Corey to have a better um a a better finish in this car. Um, you know, like Josh Berry, we saw him have good finishes after he took some lumps, but he had never been in this car, right? He had, you know, there's, he had no experience in the car other than simulator time. So very different. Corey's been driving these cars. He's been with them for a while. The Spire team has obviously improved. They can obviously give, you know, the guys over on the nine team say, Hey, this is what we've been doing. It's been working for us. And now you give it to this team of just top level geniuses and they can take that and improve upon it. So I do think Corey's going to have a good finish. I think he's going to, you know, the first stage we might see him have to settle in. Um, I didn't see the schedule this weekend. I don't know if they're, if they're having any practice or not, Um, you know, but I do think he's going to have a, a good finish. I think we're going to see his speed. And I'm I'm hoping we get to see. I hope I'm hoping and praying that he is running up front this weekend. I'm, I, I, I fingers more. crossed, man. I really am because I really and, like the dude and the guy can drive. And, and, and when I mean that, uh, hopefully it opens more doors. I don't mean like bigger teams coming and approaching Corey. I mean, it could happen. It very unlikely, but it could happen. Um, I think if he goes out and he shows what he's really capable of doing, I think it'll open bigger doors to bigger sponsors to mm-hmm. bring him more money to Spire to to grow that team even more and to get higher in the Chevy totem pole. Yes, because let's be honest, it's a money game in NASCAR. It has been, and I think it always will be. And if they can bring more sponsorship dollars to that Spire team, it'll only help them. Because, I mean, like I said before, Corey makes the 7 look better than what it is. Absolutely. I mean, look, look at his teammate. Look at the 77. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just... I'm excited. I cannot freaking wait. And yeah. I can actually cheer for the 9. I don't have to worry about the, yeah. the whole Chase Elliott fan base. <laughs> <laughs> the one weekend Keith's going to be cheering for the 9 car. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, moving on. 
Although it was an exciting finish at Indy, Joseph Newgarden's win should have never happened with the one-lap shootout. Hit or miss the mark? Uh, I think it misses the mark. I mean, I think as a race fan, we would have loved to see it with more than one lap. But on the other hand, as a race fan, it was an exciting finish to see. Yes. Um, I think Joseph Newgarden deserved the win. Roger Penske deserved the win. Um, others might disagree. I know we talked off air that I, I, a part of me wishes that they would have added an extra lap, maybe two, just to put some heat in the tires to see what would, if the finish could be a little better. I don't think you could have got any better than the one lap shootout. I would yeah. actually kind of liked it. Yeah. I, I'm with you, man. I get it. The race fan in me 100% gets it right got the red flag extend the race to all that stuff we want this thing to end under green i get it um but like we talked about before the show started off air you know anytime you start dancing in this gray area it just opens doors um it opens uh potential possibilities for problems all right you know that's the that's the the thing that um is hard for me you know, uh, what what happens if next year, right, the roles are reversed, right? And now it's Marcus Erickson who's in second and New Garden's leading and, you know, a similar situation happens. Or, God forbid, it doesn't happen. The race doesn't get extended with a one-lap shootout, right? Like, it just, it opens a, the, the possibilities for um, issues. So, yes, the racing fan, I mean, mm. I loved it. I wanted to see it finish under green. I imagine everybody else did too, except for Marcus Erickson um, and his team. But, you know, the thing I just, we've talked about it before. Anytime you start dancing on this gray area, it, it can lead to future problems so it was obviously an incredible race hats off to penske we talked about sweeping the weekend new garden getting his first indy 500 win incredible um and yeah it was it was an amazing race so yeah. i mean it could be worse we could be talking about how it finished under yellow um yes could have happened too and then mm -hmm. and then yes I'd, I'd be pretty upset but i mean i think we ought to be happy that they did go back to green because let's face it we're in we're talking about indiana a track with no lights. So I get, I get it. Yeah. So it's a double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. You're, you're damned it if is. you do, and you're damned if you don't. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, all right. Last one. Denny Hanlon was over the line when he called Bubba Wallace's actions at Charlotte childish. Hit or miss the mark. Oh boy. I, th I think it's going to have to miss the mark because I remember a young Denny Hamlin that was quote unquote childish also. I mean, every driver, it don't matter if you're Kevin Harvick or BJ McLeod, you've all, they've all had quote unquote childish moments. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, hell, we watched Kevin Harvick. How many cars have he jumped? Has he jumped over to go after somebody? Yeah. <laughs> a lot. How many times have, we seen Denny Hamlin go after somebody a lot. Um, as far as the Bubba Wallace thing, I, I know they're, I, I think I know what he's talking about when he flipped off Eric Almirola and then Eric Almirola got pissed off and went to talk about it and Bubba cussed him and 
Eric shoved him on pit road and they walked away from it. But I think this stems from more than just this issue. I think they've had issues from way back when. So, I mean, I, I think it, yeah. They've all had childish moments, Denny included. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Denny this season included. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. Um, I, we've talked about this um, with Bubba Wallace before. I think Bubba Wallace deals with far more bullshit than any other driver on the grid. I really do. Um, a big reason for that is he's black. That's all there is to it, right? You look at what happened with his radio after uh, at the end of Wilkesboro, right? Where someone hacks his radio, they get on there, tell him go back where you come, go back to where you came from. They're calling him, you know, racial expletives and stuff like that. I think Bubba Wallace deals with a lot of shit. Um, because of that, I think he's a very high-strung person on the track, right? We've seen it. I think we've seen him mature, but we he has these moments. You know what I mean? He has these moments. And um, the guy is racing with a Mount Everest-sized chip on his shoulder. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, to to get to where he's got being black in this sport to overcome the stuff that he's overcome all right to deal with the shit that he's still dealing with i think it 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 leads to situations like this now that all being said i am not excusing the behavior okay i am not that is not me saying it's okay that is me giving you my own opinions or theories on why i think this stuff happens right i think he is very high strung because he does deal with a lot and he is constantly trying to prove himself. Okay. Um, it can be uh, a very difficult thing to deal with when you feel like you are constantly having to prove yourself on a level, unlike anybody else out there. Right. I, I cannot understand where he is coming from because I'm not black. I've never had to deal with that. Right. But that being said, um, I didn't like what he did. Um, I, I think he has definitely matured and gotten better. He still has these moments, which sucks. Um, I do, I don't like Danny Hamlin calling it childish, but I do understand it. See, a lot of people saw it where Danny's comments were like how you saw it, Keith, like, dude, what are you talking about? Have a look in the mirror. Do you not remember when you were in NASCAR, you know, in your younger years, right? Like Denny Hamlin was, he had, he had a lot of childish moments, right? The dude says all kinds of stuff. It's one of the reasons why the people who like Denny do like him because he is so outspoken and he will say what's on his mind. Whether you, uh, you like it or not, you have to respect the fact that he will say things that other drivers won't because they're afraid of the backlash. And Denny Hamlin is not in that for him. For that, I commend him. Um, but Denny Hamlin had very childish moments, you know, coming up and had a lot of issues and still does, right? To this day, he has those. For me, I saw his comments more as um, kind of the, the 
almost like a parent, like, Hey, look, man, I've go, I've done that stuff. I've gone through that. I don't want you to do that, man. You know, learn from my mistakes, right? Don't be childish. Don't, don't act like that. It's not worth it. Right? Like I, I think of it more as that. Now I don't, that's just the way that I read it. I could be completely wrong. He could just be like, man, stop being a baby. Right? I, I don't know. But I, didn't like it, obviously, but I understand it. Um, you know, that's Denny as the team owner, right? That's Denny Hamlin, the, the the car owner talking. That's not Denny Hamlin, the driver talking. So, you know, I felt... I... I obviously, I, I, you, don't, you don't want your boss to come out and call you childish <laughs> ever um, in any job, let alone, you know, something like NASCAR. Um, but... Once again, I, I understood it. Um, I didn't like it, but understood it. So hopefully, like we've, and we've talked about this before with Bubba, you know, these incidents, he has learned from a lot of them, right? Um, you know, drivers flipping each other off. This isn't new, people. These guys are giving each other hand signals all the time, right? Now, I mean, they're not always flipping each other off, but I mean, this is, this is not new. I can... I can go on my Wayback Machine and remember a time where Jimmy Johnson did it to Kyle Busch yes, and Martin. Yes, so. <laughs> absolutely. You know, so this stuff happens. Um, you know, I think there's just a really big spotlight on Bubba because of everything that has happened and continues to happen. Um, you know, so yeah, it's. Uh, I wish it. I wish it hadn't happened. You know, I understand. I understand it. I get it. But yeah, I. I. I I just, yeah, I, I, I do feel for Bubba Wallace, man. Um, I think the guy, you know, what has made him the driver he is, um, is this, the chip on the shoulder, the edge, right. That he races with and, and all the stuff that he deals with, but it sucks. And I think there's a lot of times it comes out, um, in other situations because, you know, we've all been there before, whether you're frustrated or angry or mad or whatever. And then you, something happens and it's like, okay, I can, I can direct that <laughs> towards something now. Right. And so, yeah, it didn't like the situation, wish it hadn't happened. Uh, you know, understand where Denny's coming from, but yeah, I, I you know, it's like, uh, I don't know if I would do it on the public forum, Denny, but anyways, that's just me. So that's going to do it for our hit or miss portion of the show. And when we get back, we're going to get into our dirt track roundup. We've had some some pretty big racing happen in the last last uh, week, week and a half since we were gone. And tight, tight battle in the sprint cars in the Outlaw Series. So I'm going to talk about that and more right after this. All right, so now it is time for our dirt track recap. A uh, bunch of stuff happening in the dirt world. We had a uh, some really good racing this last weekend. Um, Keith, did you happen to catch any of the dirt races this last um, weekend? I watched. I watched the high limit race. That was pretty good, and then I watched the Memorial Day spectacular from my home track, Lawrenceburg. Yes, very, very good racing. Um, speaking of Lawrenceburg, <laughs> McFadden put it on him at Lawrenceburg. Um, yeah, he did. You know, Kyle Larson 
at Wilkesboro, you know, old-fashioned ass-whooping. That's what McFadden did to him at Lawrenceburg. That was a straight ass-whooping. He was the car to beat, and there was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Um, just dominated Lawrenceburg. Got the win. Um, Macedo got the win at Atomic uh, on night number two. Night number one, Sweet got the win at Atomic. Um and we've got a crazy tight battle right now in the points where Brad Sweet and Carson Macedo are both tied with 33-44. David Gravel is only eight points back of them. Now, Sweet does have the tiebreaker because he's got five wins and Macedo has only got two, which is funny because it's almost a polar opposite of last season if you look at this point last year. You know, last season at this point, it was Sweet was in the points lead, but he had one win and Macedo had five wins right or whatever it was at this point last year and now it's reversed where Macedo has definitely picked up the consistency um you know he's he's got 15 top five finishes and he leads the series in top tens with 22 um but he just doesn't have the number of wins that he had last year so if he can start popping off those wins again uh man it's gonna be a really tight battle I think they're coming. Like, I've not ever really been a huge Mesita fan. I've always been a Jason Johnson racing fan, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't count out Carson Mesita to, to sneak in and possibly really have something to say about this championship. I know we preached on it last year with David Gravel. I just... When's the last time you've seen a points championship in the Outlaws this tight, this... I'm going to say late in the season. Yeah, it's been a while, man. Um, I oof, I don't even know if I can remember one. I, I maybe, mean, in years past, we're damn near talking about Brad Sweet winning another championship. Yeah, maybe, maybe 2018, 2019. What year was it that, that Sweet won over shots and it was by like five points or whatever it was? 10 points yeah. was that 29 i think that was 2019 i think so yeah 20 yeah 2019 sweet one by four points over shots um and if you remember that was a tight battle that that summer so um and those two were the guy i mean gravel had i think a 10 or 11 wins that year shots had 11 or 12 if i'm remembering correctly and sweet had like 15 well i mean look sweet had 16 so um that you know, that's the last time I can remember the points being this tight for this long. Because here's the thing: it's been tight all season, right? Remember last season, even though Sweet wasn't winning, he had a decent points lead, right? Remember we kept talking about these guys making a run and closing the gap and 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 uh, and jumping him. It wasn't low single digits for weeks on end, so. I think we're going to see a, a a legit battle for the championship with these three. I think these three are all legit contenders. Um and it's I don't see anybody else um really making a run, you know. I mean obviously Shoehart, Shots, even Hoddenshield, even though they've really hit a wall. Um Who? Yeah, Sheldon. Oh uh, my God! I don't know what yeah. has happened to that team, but um, yeah, they've <laughs> they've really struggled this year, man. I don't I don't know what happened, but 
you know, obviously they could turn it around because look, when, when, when they do get on and he's hot, you know, he's, he's as fast, if not faster than anybody else out there. But, you know, I obviously Donnie shots is a 10 time champion. He does have two wins on the year. Uh, you don't ever want to count out a guy like that, but I, you know, I don't see him or Shuhart really having, um, you know, really making a run at the championship. I think they can make some noise, you know, for a top three potentially, but I, those guys, the three that are up there right now, it's, it's sweet Macedo and gravel. And it's going to be one of those three for the championship. And it's going to be interesting to see who gets it, especially when we get towards the, the, the home stretch of the season. I think that's when it's going to really be, um, be exciting. You know, after, after we go through the month of money, right. Summer of money and, uh, see how everything shakes out. So yeah, going to be fun. So anyway, so yeah, that's what we got going on with the outlaw sprint cars. Um, Bobby Pierce got the win at Farmer City in the World of Outlaws late models. Um, he had lost it the night before, got the win on night number two. Uh, really good race there. Um, really cool win for Jesse Love in the Extreme Outlaws at Tri-City. Did you see this race, Keith? This was actually a really good race, man. Uh, no, I missed it. It was a really good race. I recommend if you did not watch the if you did not watch the Extreme Outlaw race at Tri City, go back and watch it. It was a really cool race. Um, Jesse Love got the win. That was his first, you know, big national series win in the midgets, um, whether it be Extreme Outlaws, USAC, whatever. So, hats off to him. Uh, Lance Deweese, shocker got the win at Williams Grove no surprise. <laughs> uh, in the all-stars. Um, it was basically, you know, Tyler Courtney wrecked very early in the race. It was like lap five or something. I think he flipped and it was basically a, an, an all PA posse front um, where you had, uh, you know, um, Macri and Deweese. Uh, I think Dietrich was up there too. Um, Brent Marks, I think, also finished in the top five. If I'm remembering correctly, I might be. I, you know, I watched so many races last last night and yesterday. I might I might be confusing it, but but Deweese got the win. Um, the dude is. There are very few drivers on the planet that I would pick over Lance Deweese at Williams Grove. And folks, understand how much it pains me to make that statement. <laughs> Just because, like Keith talked about with Chase Elliott fans, it's not Chase Elliott, it's Chase Elliott fans. It's not Lance DeWeese. It's PA Posse fans. <laughs> that drive me nuts sometimes. And oh, I have wow. a lot of friends who are PA Posse, who are, who are, you know, who cheer the Posse, Beer Hill Gang, right? PA for life, yes. <laughs> a lot of them. A lot of them are my friends, but there's a lot of them that are not my friends. And I'm like, you guys are douchebags. <laughs> Shut up. So <laughs> it drives me nuts. You know, when I see those guys win, I'm just like, oh, another posse win, son of a bitch. So, but I mean, when it comes to just owning a track, I, I, there's not too many better than Deweese. That dude, the way that that dude runs the bottom at Williams Grove. It's like, oh my God, it's crazy, dude. It, 
He's so good on the bottom. There's times where he makes that bottom work and nobody else is even running it, let alone running it and being fast. It's incredible, man. It's the, the dude's, he's insane. And it and pains me to say that. Yeah, unfortunately, I have yeah. to agree. Yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. key word is unfortunately. Yep. So, so hats off to him for his all star win there. And then lastly, Kyle Larson gets the win at Tri City in the High Limit Series. Um, this was another good race. Did you get Did you get to watch this race? That, yeah. I don't know what it is about these High Limit races. But they are some of the best wing races I've watched this year. They really are, man. And I don't, like, I don't know, know what the hell it is. Me neither. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because, um, you know, they run, you know, essentially it's almost like they've got one once every three weeks, right? It's not once a month, you know, but it's like once every two to three weeks they're running. And so I don't know if it's, if it's because of that. Right. Like if it's, you know, because the races are few and far between, obviously it's, you know, we there's a, there's a lot of money that's being put up. Um, so you have very good drivers that show up. But even then, right, like if you look at the guys who are there at a high limit race versus an outlaw race, right, there's no denying that the outlaws have got, you know, a bigger collection of better drivers. Um, the high limit series is kind of like the all stars on steroids. Right, where it's not just all-star level, not just the all-star drivers, but you've got the 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 big guns who come in just trying to hit that money, right? Which is one of the reasons why the High Limit Series was started, right? To have these events and to put this money up and stuff. And I'm with you, man. They've been some of the best races I've seen all year. I I wonder if it's the tracks that they go to that makes it exciting. Well, because I think that has something to do with big it. Race tracks. I do think that has something to do with it. When you look at the tracks that they're at, right? Um, Tri-City is not some big, huge, you know, half mile. You know, the next one they're going to is Eagle Raceway, right? Um, once again, that's not a big, huge, uh, you know, half mile track. Um, they're going to, you know, uh, what's it? Uh, Kokomo, right? Husits. Lernerville, Lincoln. So these are not the big half mile, you know, Knoxville's, Eldora's, Port Royals, right? Tracks like that. Um, and so I, I'm with you, man. I think there's something to that where it's it, a lot of it has to do with the tracks that they've picked and, you know, the type of racing that you see at those tracks, because those are tight quarters, um, multi-groove tracks, right? We usually see really good racing there. So, so and like, it's delivered this year. I've always said that I would much rather watch wing racing on shorter tracks than watch non-wing racing on these bigger racetracks. For whatever reason, it's a polar opposite. The non-wing cars put on better races at the outdoors of the world, and the wing racing puts on better races at, let's say, the, the Kokomos of the world. Now I'm going to get beat the fuck up from my Indiana guys for saying that. But I'm just using it as an example. The wing. No, but I think there's is. something to that, man. I really do. I think the wing cars, when you look at those cars at these, um, you know, not, not 
not the bull rings, and they put on good shows at the bull rings too, but you know, when you look at the third of a mile, the three eighths mile type tracks, right, which is what they've been running, right? Even um, you know, like a four tenths of a mile track like Lernerville, right? It's not a half mile, right? It's not quite a half mile, it's under that. It's like four tenths of a mile. With the wings on it, it's they're they're obviously fast, right? They can carry a lot of momentum we see really good two groove racing right where we've got guys up top on the bottom and they put on a really good show i'm with you i like the wing cars at those tracks yes they're amazing to see at the half miles but i like them at the one at the the three eighths third of my i i like that racing better and i'm also with you i love seeing the non-wings at the the big half miles um, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they don't have the wing. They don't have the downforce. You see these insane sliders, right? Where they're th- throwing it in at the flag stand and sliding all the way up to the cushion. It, you know, it's, I just, I'm with you, man. And don't get me wrong. Some, one of my favorite races of the year, right? I mean, it's on my bucket list to go to before I die is Kokomo Smackdown absolutely freaking love it but those non-wing sprint cars at the big tracks it's incredible dude one of the best races i've ever seen in my entire life right ever and i've been to some in i've been to you know chili bowls i've been to gold cups silver cups trophy cups you know went to the world finals like i've been to a lot of really big races and one of the best races I've ever seen, top three dirt races I've ever seen, was a freaking SCRA sprint car race at the old Manzanita Speedway down in Arizona. Half mile dirt track. Place was a dump, right? It, it wasn't even it wasn't even lit up good. Like there were spots on the track that were damn near dark. Like you were like, God, these guys might need headlights. Semi terrifying. Yes, it, very much. <laughs> and I saw. You know, J.J. Yaley and Richard Griffin put on a battle that was, uh, it was absolutely insane. It was the night that, yes. I remember that race. It was the night that I was like, J.J. Yaley's the fucking man, right? I mean, I I was blown away. And we were on the, I was standing on a tractor tire in turns one and two in the infield. And it was the first time I had ever watched a sprint car race like that from the infield. And I was like, this, because I don't know what it is about the vantage point, right? If you watch a race, a sprint car race from the front stretch grandstands, right? You could have the best seat in the house on the front stretch, see everything. You're perfectly placed right there. Boom. You watch it. And then you go to the infield. I don't know what it is about being on the infield that makes the cars seem so much faster and it's so much crazier looking, but it just is. And it was insane watching JJ Yaley throw these sliders on Richard Griffin for the lead, where he's literally throwing it in at the flag stand and backing it into the cushion. And I was, it was, it was incredible. I'll never forget it to the day I die. I'll never forget it. Like I said, top three greatest races I've ever seen. And that was non-wing sprint cars on a half mile. So yeah, Keith, I'm with you, man. I, I don't know what it is, but these, uh, these high limit races have been incredible. And I think you're right, man. I think a lot of it has to do with the tracks that they've selected. 
So, yeah. Which reminds me, speaking of Husich, shout out Casey Kane for getting a win at Husich Speedway. Did you see that, Keith? How awesome is that? I didn't yeah. get to watch it, but I've, I've heard about it the next yeah, day. Yeah, he got the win. Um, it wasn't any, you know, series. or uh, From my understanding, I think it was just a weekly show that he won at. But, yeah, yeah you know, that's awesome. I'm glad to see him get the win. Um, I would love to see Casey Kane get an outlaw win. I know he's been trying forever to get It's like the one win he doesn't have. But, yeah. So, hats off to him for getting the win at Houston's. All right. So, anyways, that's going to do it all for our dirt track recap. So, to wrap things up, we were going to have our goat of the week. Now, keep in mind, Keith, uh, we can go for the last two weeks since we weren't here last week. Um, and yeah. Oh, crap. You know what? I just remembered. Oh, my God. This shows you how out of it I am. I forgot we got to do our NASCAR pickup because we didn't do it last week. Now, oh, yes, yeah, we did it after the, or we, we did, did it for... for the All Star race. Yep. Yes, we yep. did it for the All Star race, and um, I actually I'm so happy I got the win on that because I remember I picked Kyle Larson. Uh, yeah. You won. Uh, yep, and I won. <laughs> so <laughs> I was happy. I was like, yes, finally. I was My, close, but not yeah. close enough. Yep. So, uh, well, you are still um, killing me. Uh, and it's like not even close. 100 to 82. So, um, being that the last time we did it was Wilkesboro. We didn't do it last week for the Coke 600. And I won. I will pick first this week um, going into Gateway. And I'm going to take Corey LaJoy. I have not picked him yet this year. I'm going to take Corey oh, LaJoy nice. in the nine car. Oh, I like it. Yeah, I'm I taking like LaJoy. All right. So who do you got this week at Gateway? I'm going to keep it in the Hendrick family, and I'm going with Willie B. That is not a bad pick at all. That dude was definitely fast this last week. Yeah, how in good is that pit crew? They are incredible, the dude. They're insane, the the man. <laughs> they remind me of the the old school Rainbow Warriors, right? That's what they remind me of. When Evernham was the crew chief for Jeff Gordon, and they had that crew that was so good, it was like, how do you beat these guys, right? Like it, it was bad enough that that Gordon was already the fastest guy on track. And then they had this crew that was absolutely insane. And yeah. th that's what they've got now. These guys, they are just, if, if it, Byron comes in and he's in the top five, you can almost guarantee he's going to come out either with the lead or on the front row. Oh, a hundred percent. And I don't think anybody could argue that. Mm -mm. Nope. So, yeah. All right. So NASCAR pick them done. Okay. Now we've got our goat of the week. So Keith, who is your goat of the week? Um, I think I'm going to go a different direction in this and I'm going to, I'm going to give Roger Penske my goat of the week. Oh, you took mine. <laughs> just, just the simple fact of 
winning the Indy 500 and the Coke 600 in the same weekend, something that's never been done, mm-hmm. um, is very impressive. So I, I got to give it to them, that whole organization. Yeah, it's it's one of the coolest things ever, right? Um, you know, when you think about the the owners that we've had in both NASCAR and IndyCar, right, simultaneously. Obviously, you had Ganassi there for a long time, you know, who was doing both. But Penske has always been that gold standard, right? And to sweep the weekend, right, which is, you know, now considered the greatest racing weekend of the year, you know, to to get the crown jewel in IndyCar and then one of the crown jewels in cup racing in the same weekend is incredible. So yeah, I'm with you, man. That's a, that's a good one, dude. I like it. All right. So, oof, man, it took mine. Now I don't know who to pick. I guess I probably should have had a backup plan because that was a pretty obvious pick. You know, that was kind of dumb of me to not think of picking anything else. Okay. So. All right. I'm going to go with Kyle Larson. I know that's kind of a, a, a simple pick. I mean, you could almost pick the dude every week to be the go to the week. But if you look at, what he did at Wilkesboro was insane. And then to come out and win the high limit sprint car race too. Um, he also, I think he ran with the outlaws. Did he run with the outlaws night one at atomic? I thought, I think he did at atomic. I can't I think he finished. Remember. I think he finished second when sweet won. Didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He finished second to sweet, you know, so for him to just show up, right. You know, Dominate Wilkesboro, show up, run with the outlaws, put it on the podium, and then, you know, win the high limit race at Tri-City. Uh, I, the guy just never ceases to amaze. Um, announcing at Indy that he's going to be doing the double duty next year. And I think, I think he has a legit shot to win the race. I really do. Um, you know, Kyle Bush finished. What did Bush get? Sixth or seventh? Or I mean, he uh, got a top Kurt ten. Sixth, or, yeah, I'm sorry, then, Kurt Bush. Kurt Bush got a top ten. You and know? then blew up in the later stages of the Coke 600. Yeah. Um. And as much as I like Kurt Bush, Kyle Larson is way better driver than Kurt Bush. Right. Um. You look at the runs that Tony Stewart had when he was doing that. You know, Tony Stewart is probably the only driver that I would have considered a legit chance to sweep the weekend, win the 500 and win the 600. Um, I haven't thought there's another driver out there who could do that since Tony Stewart. Kyle Larson, I think, can do that. So for him to announce it this weekend with everything that was going on and, you know, the obviously Indy was just off the hook with, you know, they had 300,000 people there. I mean, just, it was awesome. So, yeah. Kyle Larson, kind of the homer pick for my go to the week, but that's what I'm going with because the dude had, uh, although his Coke 600 wasn't great, um, he had made up for it uh, 
the you know the the races before so that's going to be my pick all oh. right so you guys that is going to do it for this week sorry we're getting the pot out a, a, a day later than um normal and obviously sorry for last week just because like we everything we talked about earlier so Thank you very much, as always, for joining us. Please make sure to download, share, subscribe. Um, you know, you're listening now. We're Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Podbean, wherever you find your podcasts, we're there. So please get it out to everybody, your friends, your family, hell, even your enemies. Share this and, uh, yeah, help us keep growing this show. Me and Keith, are, we enjoy doing it for you. And, uh, yeah. We'll keep doing that for you if you uh, keep on spreading the good word. So, Keith, my man, enjoy your weekend. Finally, I can enjoy it, not have to there worry. There you go. About enjoy it. Me. Go, go, uh, go. Take a nap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, enjoy. Get some sleep for both of us, because I'm. I my day is just getting started. I got to go. Go get to work. So, yeah. Everybody out there, hope you enjoy your weekend, and we will be back next week to do this all over again. So until then, as always, take care.